I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, I don't want the uh, Gilead guards to come get me for chatting too much. What I can say is getting Hannah is always a priority for June and Luke. And they will do anything to do that. You don't own me. I'm not your property. So take a shifty little bitty eye of me. So, Gilead, that's all you know? Yeah. But it's not so bad. But you're working to bring it down. People should just be able to talk to each other, see their families, do whatever they want. Like this. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. And stick around because later in the episode, we are going to be joined by none other than OT Fagbenley. Yes, that's right, Luke. He is joining us for a chat about all things Luke and what we can expect from him this season. I'm Fiona Williams, and when I'm not doing this, I'm head of curation at SBS On Demand, and I'm joined by my friends, colleagues, and fellow resistors. Natalie Handley, managing editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Haiti Island channel manager of SBS On Demand. Hello. And Sana Kadar, host of ABC Radio National's All in the Mind. Hey. Hello. Well, we are at the halfway point of The Handmaid's Tale Season 5 and we have just watched Episode 505, which is called Fairy Tale. It's written by Jay Holtham and directed by Eva Vives. June and Luke venture into unfamiliar territory in search of information. Everything we want to know about Hannah, it's just there. Where she is, how to find her. I'm not, I'm not going to go home and watch Hannah turn up on TV again with Serena. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm going. And Serena gets to know her new hosts. Blessed evening, Mrs. Waterford. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to come see you sooner. My schedule is hectic, especially lately. I understand, Mr. Wheeler. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, Luke and June venture into unfamiliar territory, but mm, it's a little bit too familiar, don't you think, that ending? <laughs> uh, anywho, let's get into this one. It's a biggie. Uh, what stood out for all of you? Let's go around the room. Natalie, let's start with you this week. What stood out for you? Oh, I'm glad I get to go first because I was afraid <laughs> that um, you otherwise might have had the one that I chose as well, <laughs> which is um, my favourite moment is a Moira moment and I don't think I've had one this season and it's the look on her face when June says, I'm going to. Yeah. And, and the look is like, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no coincidence she heads for a bottle straight after that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, Sana, how about you? What stood out for you? Oh, I feel like it's a fairly obvious one. It's Luke singing. What a beautiful voice. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That was really lovely. Yeah, that was great. Didn't really get a chance to enjoy it, though, because I was so nervous the whole time. <laughs> oh, my yes. gosh. Same. I was I was filled with dread the entirety of that scene. But, yes, mm. um, that was a nice bright spot. <laughs> enjoy on our rewatch. 
loving you Haiti, what about you? What stood out? Raspberry beret. <laughs> Rest in peace, Prince. I love you. That song was released in 1985, which was the year I was born. And I'd like to imagine Lawrence bashing that song out in his drawing room of an evening because I'm pretty sure that's the kind of song he he would dig based on yeah. the previous songs he's played in the show. <laughs> yeah, totally. He was blasting out Annie Lennox before me. Yes, I love that code word, but then I thought that's a kind of an obvious one because if someone said raspberry to me, I would say beret. But <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, I didn't think that. Yeah. <laughs> but Jaden, you know, thinks Luke wrote Let's stay together. So maybe it's not obvious for the kids of Gilead. It's new for <laughs> yeah, all the guys. Yeah, he has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, no, that's great. As for me, well, I did love Lydia's little dig. She got the moment in with um with Serena in in that very odd scene where she was choosing the handmaid, where she noted that she also caught the eye of Commander Waterford. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and she properly puts the binder back. Very deftly done. <laughs> I did like that little assertiveness in the, in that moment there too. All right, well, this episode opens with another dream. So a couple have opened with dreams this season, but first it's a shot of sharks circling in, in the aquarium there with uh, in that flashback that we've seen before with Luke and June and Hannah. But, uh, yeah, so June is startled from the dream by a phone call. It's Lily, not too much information, but, uh, yeah, there's a guardian making his way over to the Mayday hut with information about Hannah and her wife's school. Or does he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it's like the next morning and they're driving to the border and uh, they pass all of those anti-refugee protesters on the street mm. telling the Americans to go back home and that was a little bit jarring for me. I don't think yeah. we've seen that before, but unsurprising, I guess, in the context of Canada and it reminds me of similar protests we've seen in our own country not that many years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing these moments of Gilead take root in Canada at the same time as, you know, this this episode we get flashbacks of the way Gilead actually did start to take right those film, formative years of, mm. and formative scenes that we've, we've probably just assumed all took place but uh, it's interesting just seeing the way it's all taking shape in the world we live in as it plays out in Handmaid's Day. At the same time, speaking of which, Serena wakes up in her new abode She's looking out the window again. It's another top shot of her mm-hmm. looking out a window, surveying her surroundings, her limited surroundings. I love the, uh, the the visual metaphor of her walking down the spiral staircase because she is spiraling downwards all throughout this episode. And the visuals are um, doing a lot to sort of portray her like June has been previously, right? So like the shot of her at the window gazing down at her surrounds kind of trapped is a very June-esque shot. We've, how many times do we see her you know, sat at her Mm. window at Serena's place. And then when she's going down that spiral staircase, I'm pretty sure we've seen handmaids circle down similar spiral staircases Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And there's a particular shot where Serena's um, hand lingers along the banister, which seems like a very minor thing. But I remember there was an episode, I can't remember which season back, but like there were so many lingering shots of June's hands, kind Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, sleepily sort of, yeah, lingering over furniture and and her surrounds. And so that just reminded me of that. So in, in so many ways we're seeing her presented as June, you know, given her precarious situation, there's, yeah, a lot of parallels there. Absolutely. And it's a really nice contrast as well because June is in a car again, going out and about <laughs> again, and Serena's stuck behind a window again. Like, so it's, I kind of, I'm quite enjoying the contrast of how their situations have swapped. 
Yeah. yeah, and I also wondered about. Um, so she's wearing she's wearing a blouse and pants in this scene. Yes, please tell me and what is with I the pants? Like, like, how is this happening? Well, I feel like because she actually switches into a skirt but keeps the same blouse when she goes to meet all the other wives who are struggling with their fertility. So she swaps on a, like a wifely kind of outfit. But in this scene, I wondered because initially I was like, why is she not in her Gilead mm. clothes? But they're not in Gilead, or we don't think so. We actually don't know where mm. they are. But I, I thought she was sort of via her clothes trying to say, here's me, not a handmaid in your house. I'm very much a house guest, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's yeah. what I thought that was trying to say. Yeah, she's got some sort of stiletto boots on when she goes down for breakfast. Oh, did she starts off in stiletto boots and over the course of the episode yep. her, uh, her boots get thicker and clunkier. Oh, totally, very much <laughs> more handmaidy kind of boots. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in that opening scene where she does get down the stairs, she's using Gilead speak, you know, blessed day and so on and so forth. Mm. But there's a maid importantly, not a Martha, and she's saying lovely morning or nice day for it or whatever she says that's, uh, you know, very un-Gileadian. Yeah, so it's, we're not in Gilead, and then Alanis makes the point that... Gilead feels so far away, even in our prayers. Mm, That's right. Yeah, so where are they? What is going on? Is this guy a commander in Canada, in no man's land? Okay, why is there a commander in Canada? He's only referred to as Mr. Wheeler. We don't. He doesn't get referred to as a commander. But he's got direct lines to Lawrence and everyone else back yeah. in Boston. So yeah. what is the deal with these people? He would if he could, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's organising the new Blue Centre or the new Fertility Centre as it's going to be. It has to be Gilead property, yeah, because Serena yeah. can't be anywhere yeah. else. So I'm curious what his function is there. Is he some sort of diplomatic attaché in Canada but not the ambassador because there isn't, you know, proper normal relations? Like what is he doing there? Yeah. I'm very curious to find out. A Gilead friendly. Yeah, I think they would be over there in a flash if they could. But uh, he might as well. I mean, he's, he's clearly setting it all up over there, isn't he? But... The flowers keep coming. The well wishes keep coming to the gate. It's they all just want to bathe in Serena's blessings, mm-hmm. or or bathe in the shadow of her stomach. They all just seem <laughs> obsessed with her baby, and and they don't really respect her at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're just making a beeline to to touch her tummy. It's just um, and at breakfast. <laughs> She's, you know, Serena's full of confidence that they'll get the building back up and running. Um, you know, they can't let a few simple rules get in the way of God's will, can we? Um, so, you know, she's trying her girl boss energy still with, with Alanis and trying to invite her a little bit into her world to get a little glimpse of the soft power of Serena Waterford. But um, we'll get to where that winds <laughs> her up at the end of this episode, won't we? The other thing I noticed just in terms of her appearance in this episode, in this scene in particular, and just how much it contrasted with Alanis. You know, Alanis had the really tightly done up bun, very wife kind of look, and Serena's hair was long and flowing and, again, looking like just your standard North American house guest. And I was like, she's definitely sending a message, right? She's doing this on purpose. She's trying to, she's wearing pants and her hair down when she's in the house of like very Gilead friendly types. So yeah. what, what exactly is happening? Well, she can't be the wife. So the only other role for a woman there would be the Martha and they've got a maid (laughs) and she's pregnant. So I think she's just very much distinguishing herself away from, I ain't the handmaid here. A house guest, not handmaid. Exactly. (laughs) But then, of course, we're at the Mayday border and the Guardian can't make it over. Serena's words are very clearly ringing in Luke's ears, aren't they? Mm. He's immediately (laughs) thinking, (laughs) what would June do? And he's up like a flash before June gets a chance to. So, um, yeah, June's impressed. (laughs) Yes, that's what got to me. It was like like she should be terrified, right? She was proud. 
Yeah, she was so proud of him, mm-hmm. which I found that a little bit disturbing. I was proud of Luke too. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, go Luke. This is your time to shine. I was just thinking, have you thought this through, Luke? I mean, yes, yes of course you want to go see Hannah, but it's don't make, don't just do it because Serena baited you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they head off under the buzzy electrical wires off to, you know, just on an overnight trip is the is the plan. <laughs> Rita's looking after Nicole. It's all going to be fine, but... Uh, is it? <laughs> but that's when Lily and Moira head for the bottle and reminisce and, uh, yeah, get to know each other a little bit. Bag on Detroit. Have a few words about Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, but, you know, I think Moira's really thinking that she doesn't have anyone who would who would do that with her. Mm-hmm. Una, we haven't heard from Una again. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is Lily going to be a new Una, perhaps? Who knows? Yeah, we don't really know. But um, I like that Moira gets to kick back and because you know yeah. June's normally her drinking buddy so you know when when June's away <laughs> oh, <then> June. <laughs> yeah I really liked that scene the ease of it and the casualness of it because we don't get too many moments of that um mm. and that one just felt really lovely and fun whereas like the casual hanging arounds and playing bowling later on as we both alluded to Fiona um mm. and myself you know that was that was just racked with anxiety the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah that that was very stressful <laughs> Um, meantime, hanging back, being relaxed. Sarita is not very relaxed, but this is where the gals are all coming to meet her and very breathy and lots of gasps at Serena Joy Waterford, <laughs> it's a double barrel surname mm. now, is meeting the gals. The gals who very much wish they were in her position. Seeing Mrs. Waterford gives me hope. It strengthens my faith. So this is rough, <laughs> this scene. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It had sort of those Gilead baby shower vibes, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Not quite as creepy and disturbing as a Gilead baby shower, but still up there. Not far off, Yeah, still up there. (laughs) (laughs) But that immediately takes us to this new flashback of seized children, yeah, pre-handmade, or it's just starting to come in and they haven't tested the waters yet, but looking at the seized children, in a very clinical environment with, mm. you know, bored, sad children who, <laughs> yeah. you know, need good homes but not my home. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> NIMBYs. There were total NIMBYs about it. <laughs> totally. I think for yeah. me I really needed to see Naomi Potman in a bad light again because yes. she's been quite nice so far this season, you know. Like she was really nice to Janine when Janine was at her house. Then she brought... Mm baby Charlotte to the hospital. And so, so far she has been, you know, I'm not going to say likeable, but like she has not been evil, you know, (laughs) but I am glad that we are actually sort of getting that real picture again. Yeah. All both times Mm. were sort of through gritted teeth, I think a little bit, but yes, yes. There were better sides of her than the veiled threat to take Serena's baby that she made when she visited her in Canada. And this flashback is where Serena is forming her rather brilliant idea of setting up a fertility centre in Canada, right? Because this is this is a point in time where Naomi and her are still hopeful that they can get pregnant. Um, mm. You know, they haven't got the handmaids in yet. They haven't reached that point. But we know it's going to end up there. Whereas the women in the room with her in Canada, they're kind of in that similar space, still hopeful mm. they'll get there. But, you know, Canada needs handmaids and Gilead is what she's going to pitch through the fertility centre. Yeah, yeah. That was actually a good moment I could have chosen as my standout as well, where she tries the pin- princess smile out on that girl. in <laughs> On that <laughs> traumatised girl. Yeah. <laughs> 
No dice, no dice. Where do we go after that? Oh, then we go Luke and June meeting Mr. Rosemary Beret, uh, Jaden. Did we trust him at first? That was a very, very tense meeting. Yeah, God with- no. <laughs> well, especially after we'd just seen Luke staring a little bit too long at that body that was hanging from a tree. That, of course, mm, that yes. freaked me out. Like, you know, just that camera just lingered. He just lingered a little bit too long. So I don't yeah. know what that means. And I don't really want to know what that means. Well, I think it means June's friends have been <laughs> carrying on without her. <laughs> yeah. I think the girls yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> took it into their own hands. They thought, well, she's not doing this. But Yeah, it wasn't until she said Gilead doesn't use words that I clicked. Oh, yeah, that's not Gilead's job. That's, that's the mm-hmm. girls out in, in Canada, no man's land doing that. Yeah, yeah, I think Nina and the girls have been <laughs> busy <laughs> carrying on the the handmade ways. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Serena and Alanis in the phone call to Joseph and surprise, Warren Putnam's also on the line. That was a, uh, a great. <laughs> <laughs> Loving all these phone calls. They're just so much fun. <laughs> yeah, remember, Warren was funny. Remember in the early seasons when there was just no contact, you know, it was literally the house was your worldview, but now it's just. Gilead on the line. It's can I get a <laughs> cell phone? Yeah, <laughs> we are well down the path uh, compared to how we started this series. But anyway, Putnam very high on himself at the moment, isn't he? He is really yeah, unhinged, yeah. but also funny. <laughs> you know, I found him funny in this scene. Yeah, scary, but definitely yeah. I was wondering if it was maybe the the new influence of Commander Mackenzie. Mm. You know, kind of putting the foot down on these commanders like Lawrence who are straying a little bit too far. I feel yeah. like I need the I need the org chart, you know. I'm not quite sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is like Joseph sit with Putnam, you know, who actually I couldn't quite figure out from that scene who actually has more power because I thought Joseph did and it looks like he mm. thinks he does. But then mm. Putnam Joseph is, used to. Yeah. Yeah, so that feels like that relationship is changing or has changed or Putnam is way more, I don't know, powerful or thinks he is. Well, I mean, Putnam would also be puffed up because Joseph aligned with Serena to get her. That, remember, it was Joseph and Nick mm. who backed Serena with her her pitch, but then Joseph had the last laugh and got her sent over to Canada. But you know, clearly that's backfired with the, with the bad press and um, with the bad building codes. <laughs> so I guess he's lost a bit of power in that when so Warren's happy to score points <laughs> in that way in a short term in a short term way one thing i noticed was that serena called him joseph not commander lawrence and i don't know if she's done that before and she did it a couple of times very pointedly called, in that scene she called putnam warren as well did she right mm. that seems that seems like her stepping out of line a little bit but they didn't seem to mind too much <laughs> yeah well well observed i think yeah um she did but the little nugget of information in this mm. one is Lawrence's plan for New Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Which we don't get too many details, but it, it just seems like more of an open border strategy, like maybe allowing migration to Gilead. Is that what you guys, what your read mm-hmm. on it was? Just tourism? Or like defectors or people who want to come back? Types? Tourism. Oh my God. <laughs> tourism. <laughs> Could be like fertility tourism. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Trauma too. My God. No, good point. Well, there was that um, it was extinguished when What's-His-Face got killed quite ceremoniously at uh, Jezebel's. What was the terrible kind? Oh, what was his name? Winslow? Yes. Yeah. 
there, wow. He and Fred, <laughs> that's in my brain. Well <laughs> <It's> done. <disturbing. laughs> ding, ding, ding. Jackpot for you. Um, <laughs> remember he and Fred kind of alluded to maybe getting the refugees back, like there was some kind of plan they were hatching that never quite played out. But this, this does sound a little bit more opening up because they can see there's clearly supporters the world over. Yeah, but both keep alluding to it will be our death, the country will die, um, mm. you'll be the death of us all. They're just kind of speaking in very dramatic language to each mm-hmm. other that they have to do this or perish. Well, their population will die out if they don't have immigration because, you know, sure they're having better fertility success than elsewhere, but it's probably not at replacement level, right? Yeah, definitely. He's also probably puffed up because he's in the market for a new handmaid. He, he and um, Naomi had... Uh, Esther lined up. Yeah, we and, still know, don't know the outcome, do we? How mm. is Esther? We don't. We still don't know. Yeah, yeah. we didn't see her this episode. Yeah, we haven't seen her weeks. awake at all. Actually, have we since that incident? No, no, no. Been a couple of weeks. Well, it's been a while since you know Janine mm. mended and Serena's looking a lot more pregnant as well. So time has passed. Anyway, probably next week. Okay, then we are back in Gilead with June and Luke and. The fellow we come to know as Jaden, he doesn't share a whole lot of information about the wife schools. I mean, that's what they went for. But there's a little USB. There's that, a USB. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, he yeah, can't know too everything. much, you know. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> just you know, hope it's formatted the right way and everything. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's a lot riding on that. They went over exactly. There for that. We do find out that it's like a new system yes. that's very much under wraps, so we don't know where yeah. the schools are located. But we do know that it's it's new. Yeah, the plums, but. When they start exchanging names, I noticed June didn't give hers. So um, I am. Well spotted. Going to get a uh, a little breaker breaker with the guardians, but no, didn't. But the main intel from Jaden is he is a kid who was seized and has very little memory of his own Mm -hmm. family. Everything's just a bit fuzzy. It's kind of telling us potentially what's going to happen when June meets up with Hannah. And I was thinking, how old would he have been when he was taken? Um, and he doesn't have a very good memory of his earlier life. He looks like he's like twenty-ish or something. Yeah, right. And it's I feel well, I like, that, like younger. Maybe eighteen. I thought it was, so. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How long has it been? How can we do the maths on Hannah? How well, old is she when she was taken? And she's twelve now or something. She's twelve now. Yeah. Was she about six when she was taken? Yeah, five or six, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, baby Nicole, we found out last week is fourteen months. So that was a bit of a wake up for me because it was so long ago she had her but you know <laughs> but in the yeah. world of the show that was only 14 months yeah. ago so that kind of collapsed a lot of things for me but um you know that doesn't speak to Hannah's age of course but yeah so it's surprising then that he can't remember too much he wouldn't have been that young when he was taken but unless he was one of the earlier ones to get taken I guess it had already been going yeah. for a while before yeah and you also have to assume that all of these kids are suffering from trauma as well which yeah. can yeah. really affect your memory yeah. From the first arcade sound in this <laughs> scene, mm. I was like, oh, shit, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? That's like right when the dread started because the arcade sounds are so innocent and fun, right? And so out of place for where we are mm-hmm. that you're like, this can only end badly. And then when, when he starts telling us his backstory, I'm like, okay, they're getting us to care about him. This can end badly. Yeah. Then we find out his name. And then June says, I've never met anyone so pure. And I'm like, fuck, this guy's absolutely ending up dead by the end <laughs> yes. of the episode, right? Yeah. Like, that's it. I know, he that's was monologuing. That's always the first clue. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we hardly knew you, Jaden, but thank you. I thought the whole place was going to get shot up any moment. Like, that's yeah. what I was bracing yeah. for, kind of thing. Yeah, I do love Luke was like, I just love bowling. 
Yeah, he's such he a has dork. No idea. It's I like he has it. no idea of the danger he's in. He mm. just wants to have a beer and do some bowling and tickle the ivories. When he started playing Yankee Doodle Dandy, I was just like, Luke, really? Play a hymn or something at least. <laughs> Put them off. Uh, June does say, are you sure no one can hear us? And mm-hmm. he says, well, no one. What's the line? No one ever says anything. And the sounds yeah. were clearly of, of more than one person that someone's getting me. It's like they might not normally say mm. something, but are you normally also playing music? Like <laughs> I feel like that might sort of raise some attention. Yeah. Yeah. But this whole thing, Luke's behaviour, I'm kind of torn about it. So, like, I really kind of want to talk about this, mm. um, which is their relationship is so nice. Like, they're, I think they're, I think they've done a great job of what they're doing with June and Luke this season, and I'm really into it. And I can see that he just brings a joy and a lightness to her, which let's mm. face it, she needs. But maybe <laughs> not in Gilead, though. You know, like, I just, I just like, yeah, June's not relaxing in the scene once. She's yes. not playing, but yeah. and so he's she all shouldn't. And then so kind of like what I was saying last week about how she keeps being underestimated, and that was sort of like what I kept thinking about again, which is she survived in Gilead all those years for a reason. Don't you think that you would take her lead? You know, and just the fact that he's there bowling, you know, and having a beer. And I just thought, like, you know, look to June, see what she would approve of. But he didn't, you know. Like Serena had a point last week. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Um, But June also isn't super bothered, is she? Like she kind of goes along with it. You know, she ends up getting up and what do you think differently? Like I feel like she was reserved but, you know, more and more following his lead and, and yeah. relaxing a little bit. She relaxes bit. into it, mm. you know. It could be a bit of a yeah. beer buzz too. Like it's she yeah. just kind of like, oh, fine, path of least resistance. But like as I was watching it and as I were dancing and the light and he put the light on them, um, <laughs> yeah, like I just thought this is they're making a new flashback. Like, you know, like it's, oh, it's yeah. just like all of their flashbacks. And the song was totally, I didn't realise it at the time, but Let's Stay Together, yeah. the song by Al Green, was yeah. foreshadowing that they are very much not together by the end yeah. of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they give us something nice and then they take it away. <laughs> Always, come on. <laughs> Speaking of let's stay together and no one's going anywhere. Uh, Serena tries to head down to the gate. It's <laughs> the greatest segue ever. <laughs> um, and trying to commune with uh, the latest zealot to show up at the door, but no. Mister Wheeler gave strict instructions not to open the gate. So, again, we're yet to meet this mysterious Mr Wheeler. So her wings are very much clipped. And then there's that great shot of her, the bars, mm-hmm. you know, outside looking in. It's like everyone else realises that she's in a prison now and, and when is Serena going to realise that she's in a prison now? <laughs> I think she's realised <laughs> yeah. by the yeah. end of the episode. Pretty much mm-hmm. then. And that triggers the flashback with Lydia and Serena, as we mentioned, where Lydia's just selling the whole concept of the handmaids and, like, recommending a fine wine, um... It's easy as pie. I was hoping we might get a Joseph Fiennes, you know, cameo uh, in this one, but uh, Serena went shopping for The Handmaid herself, although clearly he'd... <laughs> he's already had a pass. He'd gone first. Yeah. His short list, I think, yeah. <laughs> Which she, yeah, 
she immediately puts back into the pile. She's not having <laughs> <laughs> the one who's catching his eye in the house. Yeah, absolutely. I like that subtle moment. And how closely did you scrutinise those files? To be honest. <laughs> Dried. So my mine was my my video was too pixelated to see properly, but I did turn my entire computer around Same. upside down to try and look. <laughs> and I thought I was, saw Alma in there maybe, but I couldn't really tell. Mm, gonna have to do a rewatch of that one too. But yeah, I I also flipped my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love that um Lydia when when Serena finally chooses the binder she does take, Lydia says or, or at some point Lydia says these are our finest, most obedient girls or something to that effect. Mm. And I, I wondered if June was in that pile at that point and <laughs> was <laughs> June considered? I think Sorry. it's pre-June because this would be the handmaid who scrawled in the um, wardrobe. Oh, my God. Uh, Good call. You're so right, Fiona. That's right. Yeah, totally. Because I think they had the one, just one previous, I think. Yeah. Well, who knows? How could I forget her when we actually nod to her every single episode by <laughs> don't let the bastards crunch you down. Yeah, like, yeah. That's her yeah. line. You know, yeah. Her legacy lives on. Yeah. Um, then we meet the mysterious Mr. Ryan Wheeler. I'm sorry that I wasn't able to come see you sooner. My schedule is hectic, especially lately. I understand, Mr. Wheeler. Yeah. Who is played by Lucas Neff. And could he look any more like Paul Ryan? Did anyone else get that vibe from him? I have to no, Google who I Paul Ryan is. Okay. Oh, who's Paul Ryan? I don't know what Paul Ryan Former speaker like. of the, um, the US House. Never oh, mind. that guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you're so right. He does. Also, he looked like he was 19. <laughs> he looked so young. Very young. Yeah. When he walked in, I'm like, is that a child? And, and his suit yeah. was like two sizes too big, like Fred Waterford's used to be. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing um, the big man. He's. I also love... Like, what do you actually do? Like, he's so busy. He's busy, busy, busy <laughs> doing busy business. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he just wants to check in, follow up from the call in the afternoon about her proposal, which, of course, we've spoken of, but, yeah, her idea to make it a fertility centre rather than the information centre and just sell that concept to the world and to very much say thanks for thanks for the excellent idea. We'll take it from here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take your pills. Mm. Pressed up. Oh my god, creepy! Oh, yeah. oh, so creepy. The way it lingered mm-hmm. on that scene, just like uh, Esther being fed the chocolate balls. Yeah, it was painful. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That reminded me of that. Ugh. Yeah, but I'm kind of also enjoying it a little bit, and I think we should <laughs> probably so? we should probably <laughs> oh, talk right. about that. But like, I noticed when Serena was having breakfast earlier. There was a green smoothie on the table. And do you remember when June was the pregnant handmaid yes. in the house and she was forced yes. to drink that smoothie? Yep. And so mm. and so when Serena took a sip, it didn't look like she was enjoying it. And now here she is sort of being forced <laughs> to have a pill as well. And I thought, yeah, this is the behavior that you didn't just abide by, but also sort of actively were involved in mm-hmm. in your own in your own house. So I am enjoying that chew being on the other foot and her right. experiencing that. I am thinking about it and I haven't and I haven't figured out where I land on it is in terms of what sort of punishment do I actually want to see for Serena? <laughs> like like some people take it really far, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm not that. I don't want to see a woman suffering and punished even if she is Serena. So I am enjoying these little ones right now, but I don't know how far I'm happy for that to go. Yeah. There's definitely a joke somewhere in that scene of her getting the pill about her having to have a taste of her own medicine. Yeah. Well, here we go. <laughs> Boom, tish. Boom, tish. Well, as well, when he says to her, Can't have you running around the city. Yeah. Um, your baby's needs come ahead of any plans or ambitions. And the look on her face at that point, she's like, I mean, I guess this is what I would say to someone else in my position, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, 
yeah, scripted by Serena Joy Waterford herself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right about the smoothie because also when they set out the breakfast, Alanis is having bacon and eggs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Serena's not. And you can see Serena, she double takes and she looks between the meals and she's like, really? <laughs> what was Serena eating? That is, wow, that's a good catch. I didn't No, it's like that. fruit and usually I think or something. Yeah, it's very much Ugh, not bacon and boring. eggs. And it's very, I'll have a what she's having <laughs> She needs the calories. Give her bacon and eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. And then it's the final scene of the sprint across, well, a shortcut. Jaden takes him a different way back. I know. As soon as he said that, it's like, oh, no, here we go. (laughs) You never take the shortcut. You never diverge. (laughs) It's like. Horror movie 101. Well, the second, to be honest, the second they left the forest with him, it's like you never go to a third party meeting space. That's when you're winding up dead, right? (laughs) So from then on, it was all downhill. Because, I mean, he could have just given them the USB. I know. There and then. (laughs) Yeah. The whole thing. Didn't yeah, have to go bowling? Didn't... Didn't have... He just wanted a bowling buddy. Oh, my God, you are so right. Why didn't that annoy me already? You could have just liked it. Here's USB. Got to go, guys. Bye. He was just you know, lonely. Yeah, yeah. He was just lonely. Oh, that's actually really sad. Just a lonely kid. Yeah. He had parents for a couple of hours oh. and then he died. Oh. No, he's no, still alive. No, he's he not dead. Lost oh, that's true. Which is sorry. What, yeah. Which sorry. is what worries me because, I mean. <laughs> sorry, I just killed him off. But, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, you know, whatever happens to him, he, he now has Luke's name for whatever that means. So, yeah. Hmm. I mean, they have yeah. Luke. And they have Luke too. too. Well, we don't know who <laughs> has who, right? Like, yes. Because June and Luke get pulled in separate directions and they're on the border there. And, and at some point it was mentioned, I think by Jaden, that the Canadians, or I think someone else, that Lily. the Canadians had stepped up. Yeah, Lily, but had stepped up Border Patrol. So could. Yeah, the Canadians for one of them. I was yep. wondering that too. I was like pausing it and trying to look at their outfits, and and they had like black caps on and they had camo gear on. So I was wondering, like, is is this Gilead or is this Canadian mm. Border Patrol? That they're, they're not in clear cut Gilead uniforms. There, there's no breaker breaker sounds of guardians. Yep. So do I? Do we want to make a call? Anyone want to have a prediction of <laughs> is she back in Gilead or is she okay? I wonder if just to change it up this time, it's Luke back in Gilead or Luke in Gilead for the first time as opposed to her. But I don't know. I reckon those vehicles looked really heavy duty. So I'm going to say it's it's Gilead and not Canadian Border Patrol. For both of them or for? I, I assumed that both vehicles were the same, were the same people. Mm. But one was coming from the Gilead side and one was coming from the Canadian side. I think they're leaving it deliberately ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. And they were pulled in different directions, so I read that as one's been taken by Gilead and maybe the other by Canada. I don't know. Oh, 50-50. Yeah, that's what I I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Yeah, me too. Like I... um... Well, I just I think it's because I just want to see more Nick. And I'm like, how do we how do how do we see more Nick? Then we need to get June back in Gilead. Which is That's your take. <laughs> she is finding Sorry, a June. silver lining here, guys. Let her have it. How does this get us to Nick? But like... Oh my goodness. Where are we going in the next episode though? Because if if either of them end up back in Gilead court, like What's going to stop, I mean, apart from Nick Mm. (laughs) or Lawrence, what's going to stop June from just getting hung immediately? Luke might have a better chance, but. This is why I wonder if it's like Luke heads that way and, you know, because if June, yeah, if June goes back, how the hell does she survive Gilead this time? Well, she's still got the clip in her ear. So um, even if they don't know that she's June, they will know that she is an escapee. 
They have to be really under a rock to not know who June Osborne but is also, at this point I in Gilead. If they do go back, I'm, I'm not sure. But what, what does this mean in the world of New Bethlehem? This whole forgiving opening borders up too. So, it, you know, they may not, if, the, if it is Gilead, then how does this play out with with Joseph's new new ideas. Don't know. So I think the trailer alluded to the fact that Hannah and June are going to have a meetup. So I guess that can only really happen if June's in Gilead. And I like that the stakes were raised in this episode because Jaden said that the plums are at the school, but they're really fast tracking them through these yeah. days. You yeah. know, so so June and Luke do not have much time to get to her, but it makes me feel like they will. So, but but my bet is if if either of them, if one of them is going to survive, it's June, right? You know, like I have no faith in Luke's ability to <laughs> oh, like don't <laughs> feel like alive. Think of Luke dying. <laughs> Okay, wow. my brain has not gone to Luke dying at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, can, he just kept staring at that guy hanging in the tree just like a little bit too long and I've just been freaked oh. out ever since. Oh, my God. Well, this is the most horrific that. thought. I, like I took that more like, I mean, you should see the other guy than what June did yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's seen so little of the actual brutality that's yeah. taken place in this part of the world, right? Like he's he's lived his version of it by being ripped from his wife and daughter, but he mm. hasn't seen visually what goes on. So that's, that's yeah, that's what I read, that he was just like, oh, shit, people do bad things here. Isn't that awful that, like, I think it's because they're making him so nice this season, you know? Like, I'm, like I've always liked Luke, but, like, the connection that he's having with June, oh, my God, like, that's serenade. Like, honestly, that's just magical. Mm. So I feel like they better not be building him up just to take him away from us. So I'm oh, like, they're doing a Jaden yes, on him. That's- they're making us love him even more and only to rip him yes. away. <laughs> well, since we're talking about Luke and speculating about his long-term <laughs> prospects, might be a good time to speak to O.T. Fagbenley, who plays Luke, and ask him some questions. Uh, I had the chance to meet him over a Zoom a couple of weeks ago and it was part of a press junket, so I've paraphrased some of the other journalist questions. You'll know it when you hear it. He alludes to some things happening midway through the season and we are midway through the season, so let's drop in a chat with O.T. Fagbenley. So across the four seasons, we've seen Luke have to be stoic the whole time, you know, grieving June and Hannah, but also remaining hopeful. But there's a hint with the funeral episode that seeing his baby girl up there lights a fire under Luke um, and maybe a fire we haven't seen before. So tell us about Luke's headspace in these early scenes of season five. Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting about this, what's great about this show is that the, the writers take their characters and they put pressure on their weak points and pressure either, as they say, busts pipes or makes diamonds or, you know, I mean, but anyway, the point is, is that I think this show, we see Luke push to the very limit and beyond it. And that gives Luke an opportunity to show sides of him that we've not shown seen before. I feel like for Luke, there is a huge kind of counterbalance in his life. And that weight is the weight of knowing that he couldn't have said, he didn't save his wife and child. He has, he failed them. And, and that kind of is an anchor point. It's something which he feels desperately that he has to make right. And, you know, that, 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 that really keeps him in place, keeps him on watch. And unfortunately he's not as, skilled or you know as resourceful as he would like to be to make the changes to to save hannah but i you know i think this season we see him try some new things 
And so then uh, there's a question about how much OT thinks Luke has evolved across these five seasons. I, I think the writers have done a really excellent job of, of seeing a kind of growth in Luke. And I think this season does as much of that as any season does. He was a very comfortable person. He lived in comfort and comfort sometimes makes soft, weak people. And I don't know, he was entirely soft and weak, but he wasn't strong enough. And and then through everything he's been through now, he's been traumatized, he's been shattered. He has cuts and bruises emotionally, but he has strengthened in some ways. And so I think that's part of the change. In terms of like how I, I kind of feel that all the characters I play I identify with a lot. And so, yeah, I, I identify a lot with Luke. So this question is about June coming back traumatised and that the escape to Canada is not the happy ending we all thought it would be and how Luke copes with this, the impact of having June back and not back in the way that he had always hoped. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really complicated thing, you know, because on one end, it's an end in itself to get, June back. June's back. Yay. Hooray. The thing is, the moment June got back, it's like, well, let's go get Hannah then. Uh, But June's dealing with so much. She's dealing with so much trauma. And then, as we know, at the end of last season, she kills a command. And so that kind of now puts us in a different jeopardy where we can't, we're not focusing on Hannah. We're focusing on Serena. We're focusing on, and so that I think is really hard for Luke to contend with. And the stakes for June and Luke being unified are as high as ever. I guess the question is, is like, what's the priority? Is, is vengeance or even justice the priority or is Hannah the priority? And I think the difference is about at that point, Luke has the privilege of not being traumatized in the way June has been. So his mind can clearly go, right, you're back, you know, let's get on with the Hannah business. But June's been through more than that. And so she's trying to deal with that. And so it's hard to contend with that because on one hand, Luke wants to support June. On the other hand, he really needs his daughter back. So I've got one about Luke and Moira and Nicole, that the family dynamic that they have going on in Canada before June gets back and how that's shaken up by June's return. Can we talk about that dynamic and the shifting allegiances with June coming back and shaking shit up now that she's back? Yeah, I think it's it might be challenging a little bit. I mean, Lizzie can speak more to this, but challenging to see that the family is functioning. Like, you know, Moira, Luke, Nicole is a family and we have our way of doing things. And in the morning and you pick this up and you do that. And then, of course, June's come back and she's the mother and loves Nicole so much. But yet there is this kind of... So there's this strange dynamic of having this the only flesh bond with Nicole and yet in some ways being a stranger in her own home. And so now there's a question posed by another journalist about the redemptive arcs that we might see across this season for some of the worst characters or maybe one in particular. Yeah, you know, like I don't put anything past these writers. They are so good at sacramenting or or changing one's expectations. You know, you think it's going to go one way, it goes another way. Like how this show continually shocks, even me as an actor, like I know your tricks. Oh my God, I didn't know that trick. They are so good at it. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And cheeky last question. The trailer hints that maybe uh, Luke and June might actually try and go and rescue Hannah. is Luke ever going to get into Gilead? Yeah, I don't know. You know, listen, I don't want the uh, Gilead guards to come get me for chatting too much. What I can say is 
getting Hannah is always a priority for June and Luke. And they will do anything to do that. And I think the trailer shows that they go further than ever before. Oh my goodness, he's so British. And he didn't announce when his solo album was coming out. Why didn't anyone ask him? Yeah, some Al Green covers, yeah. I'm sad. there for the Al Green covers album. <laughs> yeah, no, he was fine. I love how he was just so skirting around giving any spoilers whatsoever. But, yeah, came right up to the edge there without actually saying anything. <laughs> but, uh, anywho, that was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like because we, we're, like, throwing these questions around about whether or not he can deal with Gilead and there's all these hints that he's maybe not really prepared like June is. So it's almost like they're setting that up so he can overcome that and kind of show how good he can be, rise to the challenge. Because mm. it was true of June back in the day too. I mean, she, they would have said that about her as well originally. But, yeah, you don't know until mm. you're put in that situation, do you? So thank you, O.T. Benley, for uh, clarifying <laughs> some of it and skirting around other plot points. So we'll see come episode six. So... That's it. So I love the way that Let's Stay Together weaves back in in a in a more dramatic way with with the end music of the of the episode here. So yeah, that's it. I mean, there's a lot of long scenes this week. It feels quite short, but like we've yeah. gone through a lot. There's a lot that happens, but they're all over the course of like a reduced number of scenes, I guess. That like that one in the bowling alley is a quite a long scene. There's yeah. just so much that happens across that. So yeah. Which is kind of like the, what the episodes used to be like. Um, do you remember that? Yeah, true. Remember those two episodes when June was first pregnant, actually, and she was in the newspaper offices yeah. And, and, yeah, time was a lot more stretched out there. Yeah. So I remember there were signs that we were seeing when she was off to the aeroplane as well and we saw signs again yes. in this place. It was all feeling just like what you were saying last week, Fiona, about how the show is now referencing itself and flashbacking on itself. And the mm. same when um, June and Luke were captured and they were flashing back to June and Hannah yeah. being captured. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so anyway, so, yes, the um, stretching out of time felt very sort of like classic handmaids to me. It did. This felt very much like first episode, like in a lot of ways, with Serena trying to work out this weird household going downstairs looking, mm. you know, that's how... Yeah. It opened, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And, of course, the capture of Hannah and June. Uh, oof. It's, I mean, it's all just too familiar. But <laughs> also it's not. So <laughs> thanks for listening. We hope that helped. We're in a weird place. <laughs> We're speculating. <laughs> what the hell's going on? We're off to Detroit. Let's go to Detroit. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. <laughs> what else is? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. We're waiting for episode six. I think a lot's going to happen. We're over halfway now, guys. We're almost, we're just rocketing towards the end. It's just too quick. I can't keep up. That's what I was going to say, actually. I feel like they've gone easy on us this season. It's been fairly easy to watch. It hasn't been too traumatic. But, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I think that all turns now. And um, so I'm sort of steeling myself for what horrors await. Yeah, it's definitely ramping up a notch. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I don't know if we can discuss this. I'm hopeful that the title of the next episode is called Together. And I'm hopeful that that is referring to June and Luke. But I'm worried that maybe it might be referring to, I don't know. Mm. Uh, It it might be a a trick, a trick title. Yeah. It could be everyone back in Gilead together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could be. It could could be be, Janine and June back together. I was thinking maybe like Lydia and June together again. (laughs) 
<laughs> or her daughter, oh my god, oh, like, oh, Hannah and June Hannah and together oh, yeah. again. Together again. Sure. Okay. So many reunions we want to see. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Nick and June together again if we're going there. Thank you. <laughs> oh man. Well, there's only one way to find out. And episode six of The Handmaid's Tale Season 5 will premiere at SBS On Demand on Wednesday and it screens on Thursdays on SBS. Thank you to my co-hosts, Sonica Dar, Natalie Hambley and Haiti Island. And thank you for listening. We are loving seeing what you're making of this season and as you're watching along with us and tweeting every thought you have as you have them. (laughs) We can't do that when we're watching it because we watched it a little earlier, but uh, my God, we would if we could. So any good tweets you guys want to call out? Yeah, absolutely. I have enjoyed lots of them. I like that someone pointed out that... Why was Serena allowed to be reading and writing, mm. um, considering that she's still a Gilead woman? And I thought, yeah, you know, we didn't really discuss that, but I think we've kind of covered it this time, that they're sort of living in this sort of, like, between world of, like, they're in Canada, but they're trying to live like Gilead and they're kind of doing this weird mix. So I guess that speaks to why she can wear trousers and not have to mm. wear the teal. Yeah, it's a kind of, they're in a really weird phase at the moment, I think. It's hybrid. Mm. Everyone's Mm. hybrid working these days, I feel like. Serena is in a hybrid world. Three days a week she has to wear teal and not write, and the other two days she's allowed to write and wear pantsuits. Exactly. (laughs) Flexible working. There was um, a good tweet as well from Jonna, who said, I'm 99.9% sure Serena will create the first Pearl Girls in Canada, which I thought, I hadn't thought of that. That's... um, Mm. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Probably. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Or oh, the wheelers. Yeah, 100%. It's, oh, right, uh, yeah. yeah. That's a little uh, testament reference for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> we'll get tweets for that. Anyway, um, we've made recommendations of things you can watch at SBS On Demand as you await the weekly drops, and I've done a little tweet thread of those. So when we do make a recommendation, you can check my Twitter. I've, I've put links to the shows that we've recommended in weeks past. But this week I'm going to recommend another podcast. Sorry, but I've cheated on you with another podcast. (laughs) And um, I was a guest on Michelle Laurie's podcast, Australian True Crime. She's a massive Handmaid's Tale fan as well and um, asked me on to help unpack this season of Handmaid's and speak to the true crime foundations of the source material that's obviously been carried on through through the series. So, uh, yes, that episode, that special episode of Australian True Crime is out now if you want to listen to that. Sunnet, speaking of other podcasts, cheating on us with other podcasts, do you have something to recommend? Ah, I do. I've got my own other podcast to recommend. (laughs) We've actually got an episode this week um, which might be of interest. It's about cults and the psychology of cults and and the coercive control um, that's used to keep people there. That's a term you might have heard more with domestic violence, but it's very much what cult leaders employ to to keep um, people in cults. So that's a really interesting one and ties kind of into Handmaid's territory Mm. a bit. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, it ties very much into Serena Joy Waterford's experience uh, Mm. this week, I would say. (laughs) And how do we listen to that, Sana? Just search All in the Mind on your favourite podcast app. And for the first time ever, as of this week, we're on Spotify too, so you can search for us there. Excellent. And while you're on all these podcast apps, uh, feel free to leave us a rating and a review because it helps other people to find the show. And we're loving the reviews that you're leaving. Thank you so much. And for keeping us at the top of the film and TV charts in Australia. It's amazing. You can reach out to us on Twitter. uh, And don't forget to use that hashtag. You can find me at anythingbutfifi. Natalie, where can we find you? At Natalie Hambly. Heidi, where can we find you? At Heidi Island. And Sana, where can we find you? 
at Sana underscore Kadar. And remember to use that hashtag, Eyes on Gilead. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastards grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take your dirty buildings, thinking eyes off me. I, know, I just, I love bowling, so I think I did too.